Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. Joining me this evening is my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Doing well, to answer your question. Uh, not really a whole lot else to talk about other than that, man. Just working my butt off like normal. How are you doing? I'm not doing you, too uh, bad. Yeah, sickness. You sound better than you did earlier since I've talked to you uh, on the uh, old telefono. Yeah, I sounded like uh, I had the the crazy, like, deep uh, broadcaster voice going on earlier today. Um, but, yeah, things are things are looking up. I'm feeling better, and uh, we'll see how uh, we'll see how that goes. So much stuff going on for the White Sox. Uh, we are going to talk uh, the White Sox roster decisions. Uh, we'll get through that first because that happened first, and I, I just want to kind of get it out of the way, and uh, we'll discuss uh opinions and uh you know like what kind of effect it's going to have on the payroll um we're talking about the coaching uh roster changes that were that just got announced this morning and uh, there were a couple of things trickling out last night um and uh then we'll also get into uh chris getz's comments on the White Sox team and how he does not like the White Sox team, which yeah. was kind of kind of a you know kind of felt like he was talking directly to me. I uh, I concur, Chris. Uh, I also did not like what the White Sox did last year, um, but uh, also there's a couple of other things going on. Uh, Colson Montgomery at the Arizona Fall League, uh, the other White Sox guys at the Arizona Fall League, um, and also uh, some comments uh, made by. Uh, one of our uh, ex-White Sox players. Um, we'll get to that later. Uh, so first off, uh, let's just go ahead and hop into the TA option discussion. And um, the White Sox decided to decline the $14 million option on Tim Anderson and bought him out for $1 million, making him a free agent. Um. We've talked about this uh, a ton. Uh, we talked about the fact that we knew that this was probably coming, but we've also talked about the other thing, which has been like one of the big issues from the fan base is that the people that are mad that they didn't pick up the option are mad because they feel like the White Sox didn't get anything for Tim Anderson. And something I will go back to... The offseason uh, uh, or the uh, trade deadline of 2021, when you and I discussed trading Tim Anderson in 2021, where his value was going to be the highest, seeing how the White Sox offense was operating, and here we sit after the offseason of 2023, and the White Sox declined his option. Your opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, all right, so I'm going to start this out in the most politically correct ways possible, and then I'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty of it. And things might become a little less uh, PC and a little more opinionated. And and I don't want that to come off the wrong way before anybody puts start putting words in my mouth or getting thoughts in their heads. So just bear with me here for a minute, okay? So 
the politically correct answer is, is, you know, Tim Anderson played a little over seven years here on the South side. And, uh, you know, he did some really great things. Uh, you know, we, uh, enjoyed watching him when he was on, like we have said before. And when he was off, the team kind of was off, you know, um, when he was out there winning batting championships and, you know, hitting walk-off home runs against the Yankees in the first ever uh, Field of Dreams game, you know, those were the highlights. Those were the the, the moments where you love to love Tim Anderson. Uh, the moments where you watch Tim Anderson kick around a ground ball or not hit with guys on base, which he was really well known for doing. A lot of people like to point out that he won all those batting championships. But man, put a guy on base. Yeah, and he it's could, true. You know, he hit with the bases empty a lot. Uh, you know, those were, and those were just the moments that you said, oh, Tim Anderson is, you know, not this God that we put him up on. And a lot of us fans, you know, myself included kind of waffled back and forth on Tim. I don't want to say that I was ever against having Tim. I've been pretty vocal about that. Uh, you know, I enjoyed watching him, especially when he was on, uh, Tim changed the way people looked at the game. You know, the whole change the game thing, I think, kind of stemmed from Tim Anderson and his fire and passion for the game. Uh, you know, he, he had this he played with an attitude. Uh, he played with uh, passion. He 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 flipped bats and he screamed at benches. And, you know, he did all the things that this 2023 team was kind of missing. Right. So we loved him for that. But. Here we get into the less, you know, PC side of things. Say what you want about Tim Anderson's off-field issues, you know, and I again, I'm not going to go deep into them, but obviously I don't care who you are. I've been involved in people's drama in my life that had nothing to do with me and it can be a bummer in the workplace. And to these ball players, that field and that stadium is nothing more than their workplace. Now, granted, they make a lot more money than we do, but distractions are distractions regardless, especially when the media is in your face day in and day out, sticking a microphone in your face and, and wanting to talk to you about these things, whether or not you're going to answer those questions, right? And we know it all looms. So, you know, those kind of things really did not bode well in his favor. Uh, it's unfortunate that that kind of thing happens. But the reality is, is, you know, we talked a lot about what Josh Barfield said in his interview with Chuck Garfine on the, on the Sox talk podcast, and they want to become a more defensive ball club. They want to improve drastically on the defensive side. And even when Tim Anderson was improving and it had better seasons, he still wasn't some off a defensive juggernaut over there. And I think, no. uh, you know, I think that when he was hitting well and he was winning batting championships and, and, and finishing in the top three in, in batting average, you know, for a couple of seasons there, you were able to look beyond his defensive lack of prowess, I guess you would say. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the last couple of seasons, at least since, you know, the second half of last year, uh, Tim hasn't been able to stay healthy and really hasn't been able to swing it. And when you couple that with uh, everything else that was going on, I think I would have to say that, you know, we saw the writing on the wall. We knew this was coming. Josh Barfield made the statement about getting better defensively. Unfortunately, Tim Anderson doesn't fit that bill. So 
Uh, my opinion is, is there's no other, there's no real big free agent market for shortstops. The White Sox don't have a ton of uh, trade capital out there to go out and get some big name, household name shortstop. So chances are we're going to see somebody from into the system. Could be any number of guys, Romy, Lenin, uh, you know, maybe you, you see a, a, a second half appearance from Ramos or, you know, one of these guys who are maybe not quite MLB ready come around in the second half. But, uh, yeah, it was t- honestly not shocked by the move at all. And I'd kind of like to get your opinion on that. I know that was that was like uh, Chris Getz slash Kenny Williams slash Rick Hahn word salad there, but uh, trying to get a lot in in a short period there. <laughs> well, I mean, so so my feeling on this, you know, we've gone over this numerous times, um, you know, and like I said, going back as far as 2021, when we thought about, you know, when we thought that it would probably be a good idea and that you would get the most value. Uh, from Tim Anderson, trading him at the deadline in 2021 when you saw that the White Sox team was going nowhere. And, right. you know, when when you talk about this uh, $14 million option that is that has been declined, um, I think that when, when you look at uh, the White Sox keeping that on the hopes that you're getting a bounce back out of him in 2024 – that to me screams the old way that the White Sox did things. Right. You know, that they would try and bank on a guy having a bounce back year, despite the fact that you've watched him for two seasons, kind of, you know, whether either A, the offense wasn't there, uh, or B, you know, like we're talking about a guy that hasn't played more than 123 games. Since like 2017, right? I mean, this is years going on now. Where you're talking about, you know, the dependability of one of the main cogs of your offense missing 40 games a year minimum for yeah, face of the franchise six years now. You know, I mean, there, right? yeah, you can't. Yeah, it was like 123, uh, like. Uh, and obviously, 2020 doesn't doesn't necessarily count, but you know, it's like 123. Year, I believe. Oh, it was 123. He's done. Uh, sure? He's. I'm pretty. Okay. I'm almost positive that he's hit 123 like two or three times. Okay. In his career, but I mean, regardless, we're still talking. You know, I think last year was even less than that. So, um, but like we're, you know, just dependability, uh, durability, and when you add on top of that, that you know, this year he's at a negative 17 DRS, and he's above. He's going to be 31 next year. You know, you're looking at what is a probable decline in the player, and the fact that you know we'll get into Chris Getz's uh, comments on what he's planning on doing for the White Sox uh, identity uh, to build culture. Um, we, we'll get into that later. But one of the things that he said that he wants to work on is improving the defense of the White Sox. And one thing that you do not do if you're talking about uh, making sure that you want your pitchers to be aggressive and to pitch to the zone and allow the hitters to do the work behind the behind the pitchers you don't retain Tim Anderson because his defense has been so like it's a liability you know, Jekyll and Hyde it, it really Sorry. is there's, it's unfortunate there's no other word for it it's a liability you know we watch them let balls get through the wickets 
We watch them misplay hops. We watch them throw balls, you know, everywhere but Vaughn's glove. Uh, you know, and that's I'm not trying to bash on the guy here. I really am not. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. I really enjoyed watching Tim. And, and it, the, the saying was, as the White Sox, or as Tim Anderson goes, the White Sox go. Unfortunately, Tim Anderson hasn't gone, and neither of the White Sox. Yep, exactly. I mean, it's just, I, I to me, the the you know not picking up that option was pretty much a no-brainer um another one that i kind of feel was a no-brainer is the liam Hendricks non-tender um and the thing about him is that you you know great story great human being uh just great guy to have with your organization uh you comeback player of the year ale comeback player of the year now and uh why they even innings. Why they even bothered to have that uh, any anybody else run against him in that uh, in that category is beyond me. But um, they also declined his option, and so they're going to be paying him uh, the Bobby Bonilla one and a half million dollars for the next ten years. Um, but they do decline the fifteen million dollar twenty twenty four option uh, by buying him out in that in that fashion, and you know. With him having Tommy John surgery and it being a, uh, you know, he's known that he's a, had a torn uh, UCL for uh, since, bef- you know, back when he was with the A's. And, you know, the fact that he kept on pitching and staying in pitch, you know, in, in game ready shape, uh, I felt like that kind of helped him prolong that and not need to have that TJ. But then when he ends up uh, coming down with the uh, non Hodgkin's lymphoma, diagnosis and has to go and take care of that for a couple of months. And I mean, despite the fact that he's going and he's still throwing, you know, in Arizona and whatever, um, you know, that's not game situation, you know, and then when he comes no, back and the to treatment that treatment itself is, is just rough on the overall person, you know? Uh, I mean, you got to think about what that mentally does to somebody to be told, Hey, you have a, a form of cancer that is potentially serious and, and, potentially fatal uh that mentally is like whoa wait a minute what now i'm one of the most healthiest people on the planet and you know i work hard to keep myself that way and that was always his thing too you know he he, when asked in interviews like how do you continue to be the guy you are he was all he was a health nut you know and he was pretty vocal about that and then to be told that you have don hodgkin's lymphoma and you know you've got young child you know uh, and a family to think about that's just got to take a toll on your, on your brain and your, and your psyche as a, a human being. And then to, you know, to go out and, and think that, okay, I get through this thing. Right. And I go through this radiation and this just intense, intense. And and they doctors even said they went a little bit more intense with his treatment because of his, his, uh, physical readiness to be able to do that. Uh, and his fitness, you know, it just they they went hard at it and it sapped him, and it was obvious that when he was doing his rehab that uh, you know he had lost some strength even though he'd been throwing every day. So I mean, good for him for trying, but the toll that that takes on the body and then to think that the UCL is all part of that and the damage that had already been done, it's just not it, it's not uh, something that you were expecting him to bounce back from, and unfortunately yeah. not. 
Yeah, and the the rehab, you know, the the rehab stint that he have had was not very extensive. You know, he was only down there for. Uh, a short amount of time, and when he came up with the White Sox, you know, it was clear that the the normal magic that you see from Liam Hendricks was not forthcoming. You know, he was he, there was definitely some sort of physical ailments going on there, and uh, I mean, you know, great story aside for what the White Sox are going to be trying to do with the team in 2024. It just didn't make sense to to pick up that option. So they move on. Yeah, so uh, those are the big ones. I'm not even going to bother getting into the Trace Thompsons and that kind of stuff. Uh, No, and and the thing that I want to hit on real quick, too, that a lot of people, you know, you might hear it whispered or or barely mentioned, but – there is still the ability. There's still the ability that in the long term, maybe the guys end up back on the south side in some way, shape, or form. If Tim Anderson figures out that his market is not where he would like it to be, and the White Sox are willing to give him another shot, he may end up back here. You know, you and you can see that in his tweet out to the team and the fans and the thanks that he gave. Like, well, if this really is my time, you know, it, it's been a you know whatever he said. It's been a pleasure, and he wanted to thank everybody. Uh, same thing with Liam. Obviously, Liam's going to be a little bit of a different story because he's probably going to miss all of 24 or at least the better part of it. Uh, you know, who's to say now Liam being even older than Tim and going through what he's gone through and now rehabbing from TJ, he may not ever be the same. You know, that's one of those things where he's kind of getting up there now him being a, a bullpen pitcher kind of extends him a little bit more leeway in the terms of age. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, he's making a mil and a half a year for the next, you know, however many years, it might be a little bit easier for him to walk away from the game too, knowing that that's uh, coming his way. So just a thought, but, you know, chances are maybe he makes his way back and the White Sox give him another shot and throw him another short-term contract when he's ready. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing that uh, some people had thought about was that maybe, you know, you – don't pick up the option, but you do change the way that the, you know, the way that the contract runs to extend them a little bit farther, uh, you know, so you don't have to technically necessarily eat $15 million. But I mean, really just let it ride is my guess. Cause uh, you know, like right. the one thing that we've talked about is that the white Sox are able to develop pretty decent bullpen pitching. Correct. So uh, let's go ahead and move along to, the White Sox Major League coaching staff, which has been uh, not completely overhauled, um, uh, um, but you know th- there are a lot of changes. I'm going to bring that up here. <laughs> Grimtall says, "Lord, I hope the Sox move on from all these guys, uh, GOTA, etc." Um, we're going to, we're going to get into, uh, we, we, you know, obviously the TA thing we just, we just ran through, but the, uh, geo we're going to talk about in a little bit and that's, that should be pretty fun. (laughs) Um, so yesterday, uh, the rumors started coming out that the White Sox had hired, uh, uh, Grady Sizemore as, uh, sorry, as, uh, a 
a coach with the White Sox, and, and like thing was is that nobody knew what the uh, what the title was going to be, or you know, like what exactly he was going to be doing because he had been working with the Guardians uh, for five years. I think it was like 2019 until like 2022. He was with the uh, with the Guardians system, and yes, uh, I ju- just found out from the press release this morning that uh, that he had also been. Um, with the Diamondbacks last year as one of the uh, guys with their Arizona Complex League team as well. Um, so the, one of the best things, um, you know, as Beefloaf Beef pointed out on, uh, on Twitter, is that his title with the White Sox is Major League Coach. Um, yeah, that's all it said. <laughs> so, uh, you know... It, Exactly what that means, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but you know, we watched him with the uh, with the Indians back in the day, and uh, you know, one of the things that was always an issue for him were injuries, and uh, the guy was always hurt, um, kind of like uh, Michael Brantley at the same time. You know, like a, you know, a little bit later, uh, same thing, always hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, but the thing was is that he won a couple of gold gloves. He was a good outfielder, uh, good hitter, hit 150 home runs, um, good baseball player. And uh, one one of the things that uh, I, I, you know, have conversations with some of our uh, minor league players, and uh, I was talking to Tyler Osick uh, a while back, um, uh, last year's Southern Atlantic League uh, batting champion, Um and he said one of the things that he thought that the White Sox system was missing a lot, and I mean this doesn't necessarily fit under the White Sox system because it's the parent club, but uh, the thing, one of the things that it was missing is guys that were major league players to help these younger guys work through things, and that that's you know, and and not only the, just major league players, but major league players in a, in a more recent era, yeah, you know. Yeah, and he's only forty-one years old. So, uh, and there are there are a few guys that were hired that are younger, and we'll we'll go through those a little bit more. But um, you know, I find the the great the Grady Sizemore thing as the major league coach. Um, you know that that's you know as as silly as that sounds when you think about it, and you think about things that uh, people complain about with the White Sox is that these guys come up to the majors, and uh, they don't have somebody up there that's helping them assimilate to the major leagues. So, you know, maybe that's, lozenge, maybe, man? I, you know, I was thinking about going and getting a fisherman's friend here. Um, yeah. All right. But uh, that, you know, to me that, that seems like that might possibly be what his, what his role is, you know, is that uh, helping these younger guys kind of, when they ascend to the major leagues. And I think that with the, with the way that the white Sox are going to be constructed is that there are going to be some guys that are going to need that kind of guidance, uh, in the major leagues because they just, uh, you know, kind of just being brought up. So, um, you know, again, we'll see who ends up on the major league roster, uh, coming into you know the season next year, but uh, that might be part of his uh, part of his his deal, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably uh, with you 100 percent on that. I think that uh, you know the early 
the early report was that he was going to be an outfielders and base running coach, which, you know, hats that he has uh, worn well in his uh, playing days. So, you know, I think if you have somebody who can help guys assimilate into the roles and, and their, uh, you know, just their growth throughout their career from the, the smaller clubs up to the big league club, uh, it's pretty big. But, you know, let's be honest. We also have an issue, again, going back to the, you know, Josh Barfield and now Chris Getz saying the same thing, uh, wanting to become a better defensive club. Uh, you know, you've got a guy who's got some experience who was a pretty good defender, but the real, the real issue was, uh, I mean, we have watched some of the worst base running I have ever seen in my entire life over the last four or five years on the South side. Uh, and we've got guys who should be speedsters stealing bases, but they can't seem to steal a base without pulling a hammy or breaking a thumb or a pinky or something. And they're all wearing these sliding gloves now, and they're still tweaking their wrists and you know god knows what or getting hung up between bases or not taking the extra base when they need it you know having a guy like that around who has a little bit better prowess than anybody on this white Sox roster on the base pass probably not a bad idea yep uh that's that's for sure and you know like that actually uh you know that brings me to the uh one of the other hires that's been made is uh and the 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 pronunciation is is getting me. I can't remember for the life of me how to pronounce this. Uh, Jason Bourgeois is my guess, um, but we will find out. Um, coming up here, I, I guess I could have looked into uh, see if Chris gets announcing that, but uh, I didn't see anything about it. Uh, he's coming out of the Dodgers organization, where he is the outfield and base running coordinator for uh, the Dodgers system, and um, they've seen good results out of him being the outfield and base running coordinator for the Dodgers and, you know, churning out professional baseball players that know what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, I mean, what would you say you actually do here? Mike Tosar and, uh, and Debo are supposed to have been two of the guys that were supposed to be doing outfield coaching. And uh, last year, uh, with Tosar coming over here being the field coordinator, I did not see any difference in the outfield play from the White Sox outfield. Uh, so yeah. it makes me happy that they're bringing somebody else over to to. Who also work happens on that. to be one of the guys, one of the few guys sticking around this year. Shocking. Tosar. Yeah. Yeah, aggravating. But Pedro's, uh, uh, Pedro's right hand man, you know, buddies over there in uh, KC. Uh, um, yeah, I, I trust me. I gotta go. I gotta go grab one. I thought about it earlier, and then I completely spaced it. These, uh, I definitely need a lozenge. Oh, listen, um, man, I, I had the uh, the old Covis uh, twice in 2023, so uh, I'm 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 not making fun of you, man. I feel you. It, it's a rough. Uh, it was a rough go for me both times. Yeah, I mean, this it's not COVID. But I'll tell you what, it's it's been uh, pretty nasty. And, like, one of the things with this particular virus is that it likes to stick around for, like, the cough likes to stick around for, like, three or four weeks afterwards. So that's super dope. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so, uh, and Bourgeois, also a uh, two-time White Sox player, um, you know, in the, you know, at least in the in the system and whatever. Um, 
so uh he's bougie grim grimtall says wait so we need athletic ball players and not stat accumulators that have pedigree i mean you know if they're stat accumulators that have pedigree and they can still play baseball i'm into it but uh the issue being is that they still have to be able to play baseball and we have not been uh accumulators of that kind of talent unfortunately I'm um, just trying to figure out who is accumulating any kind of stats <laughs> on this ball club besides maybe Luis Robert. Well, I mean, you know, or like you look at anyway. uh, you look at Elvis Andrus, you know, and he was kind of one of those guys that's a stat accumulator. I mean, that guy, you know, played for six billion years, and that's why he's got uh, you know like all these uh, you know high career numbers. I mean, he had some decent years. Don't get me wrong. And he's not a bad player. He just, you know, he's a stat accumulator. Just I is what he when is. I, when I think of the White Sox, I, you know, the first name that pops into my head is not Elvis Andrews. So I was just saying. But that's a very good example. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, so um, another guy uh, that's coming in fresh uh, from the Angels is Marcus Thames. Uh, been with the uh, Yankees, been with as an assistant, been with the uh, been the Marlins uh, hitting coach, uh, was the Angels hitting coach uh, last year, and you know, I mean, of course, you look at the fact that he had uh, Shohei Otani and uh, Michael Trout uh, on his team, so like, obviously, the numbers there are going to be a little bit boosted. You know when you've got uh, when you've got guys like that in your batting order, of course. Um, but uh, you know, all in all, like they put up some pretty decent numbers while he was there as the hitting coach. So, um, you know, if that helps the the White Sox um, approach at the plate, and it helps them drive the ball, and it helps put runs on the board. I'm all for it, and you know, like I'm not a huge uh, hitting coach guy per se. Um, like you know, like we've talked about with prospects that I'm a a talent over development kind of guy. That you know, either guys are talented enough to hack it up there, or they're not, because we're not losing guys to other teams and they're going there and all of a sudden being amazing. You know, it's you know. Talent evaluation is a big, big bit of this. But um, if he can help uh, unlock uh, a couple of these guys to uh, have a good, good approach and put some uh, barrels on the ball, I'm all for it. That's see, that's the the, the key for me actually is when you bring up approach. Uh, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. Approach has been atrocious on the team for many, many, many moons. Uh, you know, few years back, and you know, we're going back four or five years now. We, when Yohan Moncada had his best season was when he was looking pitches off and taking walks. And aside from that, I can't think of anybody on this team that has had a good approach in, in years. And I think that's probably if, as far as a hitting coach goes with the major league ball club is the one thing you're looking for the most is these guys got to go up there. They got to see more pitches. They got to put the pressure on the pitcher and they got to make these pitchers throw them strikes. Because, uh, you know, pitchers, if you start taking some walks, pitchers are going to get tired of giving up free bases. So, you know, that's kind of the one th- the one and only thing I'm really hoping for him. And maybe, maybe if we can unlock some of the power potential that we thought some of these guys were going to have and it just hasn't panned out. 
Yep, for sure. Um, so here's one of those things which is, is kind of weird when you think about it because, you know, like with the Thames thing, you think about the success of the uh, of the Angels hitting stats and, you know, like their, their lineup. Um, but one thing that you don't normally necessarily think about is their pitching, uh, other than, of course, Shohei. Um, but there have been some uh, a couple of guys who have made it to the – majors recently that have done some decent things and there have been some uh injury issues over with the angels with a couple of these guys uh uh first example being griffin canning um but um you know you've got some decent uh work put forward from matt wise with um with the angels pitching staff and uh you know, you've also got uh, Reed Detmers who did some things, and Patrick Sandoval as well, uh, and Chase Silth, Silth, Silth Seth, uh, and then uh, you know there there was uh, also you know I do oh, man that one's Silth Seth, um, <laughs> but like, you know uh, yeah I you know and like the the weird thing is is like the the fact that the Angels just got rid of this guy and uh, we're going to put him into. Uh, you know, they they just got rid of him, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, with what he's been given with the Angels, there have been some decent things that have happened over there, and uh, for for him to become a the assistant pitching coach with the White Sox, uh, I kind of feel like that's actually an underrated move. That you know, I mean. Of course, White Sox fans are never going to be happy. They're going to be like, "Oh, well, the Angels pitching sucked," and you know, what are we going to, you know, like, and we're bringing them over here for our bullpen, and you know, none of these guys in their careers, you know, as they were making their way up to the big league club in Anaheim, were were thought of as being the guy, or even really like a guy. Like, oh my God, as a guy, nah. I mean, you know, a few of them were were thought of to be that they're going to see a major league roster someday, but nobody really expected much out of him. And he did some things with them over there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I obviously canning and Detmers are like, you know, guys, Um, but you know, but he did do some things that were, that were worthwhile over there. Uh, The other guy who has come over um, is one of those ones where I was kind of, kind of shocked. Juby Terra, who, Comes over here, and last year he was the bullpen catcher, and this year he was the catching coach for the Angels, and uh, they had really solid, you know, if you look at their numbers from the catching position with the Angels, solid, you know, solid defensive numbers, and, and you know, good frame over there too. Yeah, I mean, for however long that matters, because, I mean, I kind of have a feeling that that's kind of going to go the way of the Dodo Bird anyway here soon. But, um, you know. Yeah, automated strike zones and all. Yeah, at at least the the challenge system, at least, you know, is that it's going to, you know. Corey Lee, you know, as I mentioned uh, several times, is very, very good at challenging those that are incorrectly called to get uh, key calls during the game, which is certainly useful. But, uh, you know, we can sit here and have Drew Butera work with Corey Lee a bunch on defense, but is he still going to hit 085? That's a, that's the question. Right. You know, 
you know, at least maybe Corey Lee's got a he's got a a future as an MLB umpire with uh, <sighs> with his uh, eye for a strike zone. Hey, you know, I mean, uh, he could certainly be uh, one of those catching coaches, just like uh, Drew Butera was. Um, yeah, sometimes, they, sometimes you know, they say that uh, the best coaches are were not always the uh, best players. It's true. It's true. Um, Guys that need so, a lot of tutelage of their own. <laughs> yeah, those those who uh, do do those who can't teach. Um, so that that uh, that makes the major league staff uh, apparently complete for the 2024 season. Uh, Montoyo, Ethan Katz, and uh, Eddie Rodriguez is sticking around for third base, uh, and Tosar is now the assistant hitting coach. And it no longer says field coordinator. He is now an assistant hitting coach. Well, I mean, you so leave them with that title after what they did in the field, could you? I mean, keep him in the organization and keep him the field coordinator and then come out and tell White Sox fans that, hey, we're not really worried about going out and getting a bunch of bangers who are going to hit 300. We're going to improve on defense to give our pitchers the best opportunity to be effective. And I mean, like Tosar as the field coordinator, it just it doesn't work. So obviously that was a train wreck, but so were the bats last year. And they got rid of the two hitting coaches. They uh, now I I'm still not sure what's happening with CJ, um, you know. But they got rid of the other two guys that were the hitting guys, and Tosar was supposed to be like the you know background hitting assistant guy, and it didn't go well last year for the bats. Didn't go well in the field either. And that was supposed to be his main job. So why is he sticking around? What does this guy do here? We're still asking this question. He's Pedro's buddy. That seems to be his qualification. You know, they go bowling or they're in a bowling league together in the off season, you know, or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't thinking about bringing this up, but you look across town and you see what they did with their manager over there. And they yeah, made uh, they had a, a big move. Almost it almost went to the playoffs last year. Yeah, and, and they went they out and spent eight million dollars a year on signing council. So you look at that. To me, that looks as something that's uh, serious. And then I look at the White Sox with these clown shoes retaining Pedro Grafal. After watching that complete train wreck of a season, yet this guy's still employed by the organization, despite yeah, the fact the guy that the tagline was accountability when he came into the, this job. With we're going to hold the guys accountable. None, none, zero, zero. Absolutely, we're going to improve in in so many areas, but we're, we're going to do that by holding people accountable. Yeah, and then I don't know. Sometime after midseason, come out and say, "Well, you know." Just never really had the clubhouse. I let the guys and the veterans in the clubhouse police the accountability and, and the other and the players. What in the that's, actual f? And you still have a job. That's that uh, that Rick Hahn accountability. You know, <laughs> um, that's exactly what that is. Is it's just uh, you know saying the word accountability to make it sound like you're serious when you are actually not. Um, I so wish somebody would hold our owner accountable because he obviously 
you know, he says he cares and he's doing all this for the Sox fans, but ah, uh, yes, you know, we still have Pedro, we still have Tosar, and we went through a GM hiring process before the season reached its fully completed state. Yeah, um, so not, not serious in my opinion, but anyhow, yeah, no, um, so. <laughs> One of the things that that uh, the, the the next thing that I wanted to get through um, is some of the comments made by Chris Getz today. And oh, this is fun. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know, it 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 kind of is. And you know, when we sit here that and one talk line about in particular, is anyway. Yeah, that that one's funny. Um, but you know, like we we talk about um, you know accountability. And, uh, you know, at least, you know, we've, we listened to Pedro last year for his press conferences. We've listened to a bunch of Rick Hahn press conferences. So we're used to catchphrases, you know, and, uh, about, you know, hearing all sorts of promises and, you know, word salad, word salad, lawyer speak, whatever you want to call it. It's, <laughs> you know, it, promising us all these, th- you know, that all these things are going to be coming. And you know, we, we fail to see generally 95% of it. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, of course, take this with a grain of salt. And these are coming at the GM meetings, which are uh, going on this weekend coming up here. And, um, so Chris Getz says that there are no untouchables on this White Sox roster and that he does not like the team. And by that, he he's not saying that he doesn't feel like there's talent on the team. Right. Um, but he does feel like that the, the team is not well assembled, which. Right. And the, and the aspect of team as a whole, like that word that. The, the definition of team that we use in, in a workspace or, you know, as part of like a, when you were grouped together with some people for a science project when you were in school, you know, we're not working together as a team, you know, team as a whole, that kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, the fact that he even came out and said, I don't like our team. That was maybe something that it was a bit of a, you know, fresh air coming from this organization because you never heard that the last say anything like that. They would grit their teeth when asked the hard questions and, and give you that lawyer speak that you, you mentioned, but oof. the fact that he actually said it, I commend him for that. The rest yeah, of the no, interview, for sure. Smoke. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> unless you have a different opinion, probably. I would love to I mean, probably, uh, I mean, but you know, uh, one of the, like I, like I said earlier, you know, like one of the things that he said that that they wanted to do was reshape the identity of the team. You know, and that's uh, something that's been consistent between him and Barfield is that they want to reshape the way that the White Sox play baseball. And after watching Corpse Ball for like two decades now, other than when you know what two thousand five. Yeah, 2005, 2006 was okay. Yeah, it was okay, but it was okay. There there have been a couple of you know, a couple of bright spots, but for the most part when you talk about the entire White Sox as an organization 
of what we've watched for our entire life. Exactly. It's been the same thing over and over and over again, except for lightning in a bottle here and there. Right. You know? So I am all for the White Sox being reshaped in a uh, try-hard type of uh, type of baseball. You know, when you know when you look at the Diamondbacks, when you look at the Guardians, um, guys that just do the right thing all the time, do the little things to win ba- baseball games. And when you get guys that are talented, that's what pushes you over the top. You know, and I'm all for seeing a team like that. Um, well, you know, I'm all for it. When will um, we get it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. This is, I mean, you've seen this roster. This roster is going to take a little bit of time to kind of churn through a little bit. And we'll see what kind of trades come through with the White Sox. I mean, as Chris Getz says, there are no untouchables. I, I would say probably the only guy who is an un- untouchable is Luis Robert, unless somebody gives you just an absolute boatload him you know and it's gonna have to be guys that are close if not there but yeah uh i agree uh you know when i heard yesterday i read the article that you know dylan cease they were they were listening to offers well you know and and the whole world was up in arms about that everybody twitter facebook whoever you look people were oh my god they're listening to offers and dylan cease and blah blah Here's the thing, and we've talked about this on this show over and over and over again. Uh, as a GM and as a front office, if you're not at least listening with some kind of you know serious attitude, then you're not doing your job. So yeah. of course they're listening. You know it's it's in it's in the the freaking bullet points of what the job duties are. You listen to offers. Do you accept any of them? Eh, maybe not. You got to be blown away, right? Dylan Cease's numbers were down again, you know, but we saw flashes of what Dylan Cease can do when he has all his pitches working. Unfortunately, he hasn't. He's been a two-pitch pitcher, and that limits him. If he figures it out, guy could be a Cy Young, you know, or uh, at least getting some votes like he did uh, in 22. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that their asking price is going to be high. You would hope. Even though his numbers were down last year. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Is his price so you know, we can not notch it up to uh slow news day yesterday because the uh word of coaching hires hadn't come out. But uh you know the way I see it, I, I doubt he's going anywhere. Yeah, I no, I wouldn't think so either, but uh, you know, if uh, somebody comes calling that's got a boatload of prospects, Orioles, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if a couple of those prospects nice are up. enough to uh, woo the White Sox into sending. Uh, and if I'm going to say woo, I can also talk about the Seattle Mariners as well, um, because Brian Wu. Uh, woo. But uh, let's let's go ahead and br- uh, bring up a couple of these other quotes, uh, a couple of the other uh, notable ones here. Um Chris Getz had mentioned that he wasn't uh, averse to Yohan Mankata moving to second base occasionally this season. said he also wouldn't mind uh, if he was at first base or in the outfield, is that he would uh, 
entertain the idea of putting him in multiple places on the field. Now, of course, you know, the caveat being that the guy has to stay healthy. And that's the important thing about Yohan Mankata is that the guy's got to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, you could be looking at, uh, you know, MVP votes type of year. But the thing is that the guy's got to stay healthy in order to put up numbers like that. If he's healthy, there is absolutely zero reason to move him on third base. Plain and simple. I'm sorry. I think that that quote, and I, I, I thought this is the minute I read it, uh, I thought it was ridiculous because if he is healthy, why are we putting him anywhere? Do we have a third baseman that can throw the lever as good as Yohan Moncada anywhere on this team? Or, on well, the on major a, league roster? Well, okay. Now we're talking about, now I know where you're going with this. We're talking about bringing guys up. You know, we're talking about a certain uh, player who is pretty stinking spectacular. Certain couple, actually, you know, the, well, the guys know that have played third base, you know, a guy, a guy that, well, so I, I hope you're not talking about a guy who's, uh, who's best position is, is shortstop because quite frankly, I'd like to see him stay at shortstop. No, no, I'm not talking. I, I'm not, I'm I'm not talking, talking about, about the uh, number one Brian prospect. Ramos or, yeah. Yeah. Ramos or so, Popeye. Or even Lenin Sosa. All three of those guys have played third base. And if they give you the best option, if that you feel that the best position that they play is third base, and you feel like Yoan is an upgrade over them at second base, it nece- I, I don't think that it makes the team better because you're taking a position where Yoan Mankata is really good. Right and putting him at a place where second place where he's going to be, uh, you know, not as good. Um, personally, my personal opinion here, and I've watched, as you know, I've watched a lot of minor league baseball. Jose Rodriguez at second base is fantastic. Yeah, defensive wizard. Putting him at second base and like this is the thing, and I've I've gotten into uh, like every time I see beef loaf on someplace. And he's talking about trading Popeye, and he's talking about you know uh, trading all these pieces for guys that are glove only, like literally glove only guys on other or in organ other organizations like uh, Nassim Nunez with the Marlins. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Popeye's very well above average at second base, and he's got the skill set to have a bat where he could hit 20 home runs in the major leagues. And we're talking about trading him, you know, in, you know, in some deal for some, for some complete bum, you know, just cause the guy plays defense really well. And I'm just like, I mean, not that, that he's made a con, uh, uh, a trade offer just for Popeye, you know, right, for, but he for likes that, to package him. He really does. He loves you know, those to shows on yeah. Monday nights. Have been uh, well. Let's just say interesting. If you guys haven't caught those, some of these trade packages they're putting together. Are, and you know, I gotta just commend Beef and and the guys over there at the 108 for uh, you know doing what they're doing, and uh, you know, for the most part, trying to do it with a serious. Uh, some some semblance of seriousness because there's really not a whole lot to work with. Yeah, we're no, talking no, about for sure. For sure. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, good stuff, by the way. 
Yeah, no, I've I, I've certainly enjoyed that series that they're doing over there. They still got one more week left. If you haven't watched it, uh, Monday night the Aju at six o'clock on YouTube. Uh, Beef Loaf and Cherizi do a deal with. Uh, one team from each division, uh, or actually for w- one guy, one deal with each team from the division. Uh, and next week is the final week they're doing, I believe, the NL Central and the AL East, I think, are the two that are left over. Yeah, I just have to say that uh, after listening to last week's Anju, uh, and I, I immediately... <laughs> I immediately, while I was listening to it, had visions of you listening to it <laughs> and a vein or multiple veins popping out on your forehead <laughs> when they start trading away some of these, some of your favorite prospects. May or may not have happened. Um, <laughs> there were, there were a couple that I was, uh, that I was uh, not thrilled like, with, but I mean, that's to be, that's to be expected. I, you know, I, 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 I enjoy the series for what it is and, uh, you know, obviously, you're going to have to get creative uh, with you know making these trades, and you know some of them seem like they're uh, you know fairly decent trades. You know, like they could they could have decent you know legs. Um, and let's so, not be let's, we'll let's let's not let's not be unrealistic about what we've uh, what we've become as Sox fans here. We've been groomed. We've been we've been brainwashed to uh, fall in love with our prospects for decades. So, uh, you know, I don't blame you for having your feelings, but I also commend you for uh, all the prospect watching that you do and your opinions are uh, pretty well educated. So, I mean, you know, that's the thing is that I, I, you know, and I when I made my uh, my appearance on the one away a few weeks ago, I admitted I am a I love to hug prospects. But the thing is, is that. The 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 way I look at it is that I don't feel that I overvalue them. I feel like I properly value them, and I feel like you know so, sometimes some of these trades, I'm like, yeah, you have to you you have to crack some eggs to make an omelet, but at the same time, you do want to get fairly decent value for your trades, and you don't want to overpay on every single one. That's that's right. just my my opinion on that whole thing. Um so yeah, I mean, but it's a but again, it is a uh, it is a fun series. Um so I'm going to take a just a moment here. I'm going to go get a lozenge cuz my throat's killing me. And uh I shall be back momentarily. Give me one minute. Uh, I wish I had a timer set up where I could just give you two minutes of uh, banter time so you could just sit there and talk about something uh, with that timer on there. But unfortunately, I do not. So yeah, I'll just have to give it to you. you to pick the, the one night that I'm not prepared because the one thing I want to talk about and I really, really want to talk about that we brought up before the show. I want to be here. Uh, I wanted for to it. do. Yeah, I yeah. want to do that with you, and uh, that'll be interesting and fun. So, go ahead and do what you got to do. All right, I shall be back uh, shortly. Yeah. So, I will. Uh, I'll... <laughs> oh, there we go. That's What's beautiful. That? What I missed. Grimtall says Danny going to have his own segment about candy old guys enjoy. <laughs> 
If you guys have not seen Danny's uh, candy tier uh, list from last week, I highly suggest going back to last week's episode and checking out on YouTube his candy tier because that's that's some funny stuff. All right, I shall return. Yeah, you know what, Grim? I cannot wait to meet you in in person so we can we can have a very heated discussion about this. One of these days, we're gonna have to get together at a ball game, get Ian to we uh, get Ian to score us some sweet tickets from one of his connects, and uh, we will discuss the Juju Bees and uh, or you know my uh, my like of old people candy. But uh, yeah, man, you're not gonna you're not gonna turn me away on on the old, you know, peanut butter toffees and you're just ah, I, I can't do it, man. Not gonna do the uh bit o honeys, break my teeth on some garbage. Oh, come on, brother. You're killing me with that stuff. I like chocolate, dude. I'm a fat kid. I like cake, like a fat kid likes cake, I guess. But anywho, you guys suck, man. You guys don't like my candy choices. And I'm just talking to Phil Samir here because I really have nothing, dude. I uh, you know, Danny works. A lot. Danny works a lot, a lot. Danny works when he's not at work. Danny works at home. Danny's wife has got projects for him. She's sitting in the room, by the way. She's listening to all this. Huh? Yeah, oh, she's flipping me the bird, too, so. Oh, what the hell? I lost my Twitch feed. Tell Ian never mind. Tell Ian never mind. Oh, Okay. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm not really sure. My hatred of as you concerned. I see. I didn't say I hated them. I just felt like I could could maybe, you know, make a move on them. You know, get something from somebody else. I don't remember where those gonna be. To be honest with you, but I would think that I would. I would hope that I put them in, in trade fodder because. Uh, you know, I just know that a lot of people love them. I think I could have made a move for something that I enjoy more. That's all. He and hugs mid prospects. Do you hug mid prospects? I I oh. would no. I don't hug mid prospects. He can say. But apparently, I, I hug I hug mid candy. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in agreement on this, man. Like, what the f, dude? Yeah, sorry. You guys I, and my bad. Your peanut butter toffee. Ugh. I just, you know, the, the black and I just, I can't, still can't get over that, man. How you guys rode me on the black and orange wrapped peanut butter toffee things that were usually <laughs> dried out and hardened by the time you got them out of your bag. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a toffee, you know, so. You guys ride me on that crap, man. <laughs> Um, so whatever I'm old, <laughs> all good, man. Um, so, uh, Colson Montgomery was in the Arizona Fall League, uh, also, uh, Fall Stars game on what was that? That was a uh, Sunday, and he won the MVP for hitting a home run and uh, going two for two. He was the first base runner for the AL in the game. Um, Yay! Good stuff to talk about. Yeah, very good stuff to talk about. Fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, of course, that's brought upon the conversation of, you know, whether he'll be the starting 
shortstop for the 2024 White Sox, which I do not. Well, we could trade him now when his value is at his highest. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've heard that one as well. Um, that, of course, the coaching staff in Chicago will ruin him and uh, or will trade him for an aging DH that's 38 years old. I've heard I just need to throw the disclaimer times. out there that I am not making that trade. Uh, that was sarcasm uh, in the face of those who have said that exact thing. So, no, I wouldn't same. imagine. Um, it just doesn't, you know, I, I don't, I certainly don't see him up with the team coming out of the gate. Uh, and I do not see him being traded. Um, no. Just, in, you know, and that's like the thing is I get people saying, so about him winning it and saying, oh, well, Adam Engel won MVP of the Fall League as well. And Adam Engel uh, was... Ruined, hey, by he, the way. He, he won. He won. <laughs> no, that's the thing, is that that, that, guy's, that guy changed his swing, like, literally every offseason. The guy couldn't find the guy couldn't find a batting stance or swing that he was comfortable with and he changed it every year never found one that he liked or that worked out for longer than 3 weeks and then pitchers would find his the hole in his swing again in the exact same spot where he left it last time just you know he would change something just a little bit and uh, it just never worked out you know i don't, I don't I think that they found ruined him instead of hamstrings at the beginning of every year, honestly. Amazing what would have happened had that man had a healthy set of hamstrings and been able to play for an entire season. That might have also helped him out quite a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that it's just going to be one of those things with uh, w- th- my advice for everybody with Colson Montgomery is chill out and enjoy seeing some success some success from a White Sox prospect. Don't expect him to start in the major leagues to start the year. Don't expect him to hit 400 in the minor leagues next year when he starts there. Just let him grow and progress. Let him become a major league baseball player because that's what we need to do. There's no reason to press him. I, I do not see the White Sox contending next year, so I do not see it being a problem. Um, Sorry, guys. I I'm off screen here, but uh, hey, you are. I'm still here. No, I have a so my my sick cancer doggy that we've talked about in the past. Uh, I think she may have had a stroke over the weekend, and oh, now she's doing a little bit of head pressing right here where we're doing our stream, and I'm worried that she's going to get into my uh, well, my components yeah. here and my yeah. wearing under the desk. So yeah, she's done that I'm once before. So yeah, yeah, so I apologize, guys. All good. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, also, uh, Brian Ramos, named uh, AFL hitter of the uh, hitter of the week for last week, which was also awesome, um, and certainly something that we like seeing. Um, so yeah, there's been uh, there's been some some promising stuff going on as of late, and uh, you know. Uh, I think that's kind of one of those things that you know the White Sox fans just need to 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 take take it down a notch, you know, and just realize that these guys are not ready right away. And you know, half the time, 
you know, these people are saying th- th- there's there's two there's two sides to this thing where there's the the side of people that are saying don't rush this guy. It's going to be like a year to a year and a half. And then there's every you know there's other people that are like. He's going to be a starting shortstop in 2024 now that T.A. is not here. And it, probably the year and a half is probably not true. And Yeah, I'm somewhere I, in the middle on that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that You kind of have to enjoy the success and expect the, the backside of the middle half. You know? Right. Um, right. It's going to take him some time, but that's fine. Let him develop. Same thing with Brian Ramos. Same thing with you know a bunch of these guys. Um, I mean, if he when, continues to do what he's been doing uh, from level to level throughout the minor leagues, I think you know there's a maybe there's a chance that we do see him in the second half next year. Uh, you know, once he's really had some guys. I mean, let's be honest. He's only had a cup of coffee at AAA, right? And even though he looked the part. For the most part, I would like to see him, you know, get a handful more at bats. And when I say a handful, I, uh, you know, a healthy dose yeah. of uh, AAA pitching to deal with, and a little bit, you know, more development in the field as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. That's what he needs. You right. know, that's what all these guys need. They need to. But if he continues reps, <laughs> it's going to be hard to keep him down. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that, and, and you know. Our buddy uh, Rick Hahn, you know, that was kind of one of the things that he said is that we want these guys to force our hand, you know, and that that's exactly what you want to see out of them is that you want to see these prospects force the team's hand to get them up, you know, and when they come up, you're hoping to see that they are comfortable and that they succeed right off the bat. But if a guy hits 225 over 150 at bats, it doesn't mean that he's a lifelong 225 hitter. It just means that it might take him a little bit of time to, you know, to, to work through it, you know? So indeed. Anywho. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and get down to, uh, the, the thing that you've wanted to talk about. Uh, well, I'll just preface this by, uh, saying that, you know, you and I talked a little bit pre-show, and I had asked you if you had seen Dylan Cease's recent comments. Uh, he did a little interview. I can't remember with who, but uh, I read an article that basically said that Lucas Giolito believes that there was no issues in the White Sox clubhouse in 2023 and that all of the players got along and they enjoyed each other's company. And they did things together, and uh, there was no clicks. There was no, you know, adversity between any of these guys. Uh, you know, Keenan Middleton and 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 Lance Lynn were wrong, basically. And he didn't say he didn't say that though. He did. Well, he did not mention them by name. He just said yeah. that the claims that there was uh, some misadventures in the clubhouse were uh, were just wrong. They his basic. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically said they just played bad baseball. They just couldn't seem to get it all together, and that's all there was to it, and nothing more to see here. I concur. Um, you, yeah, you definitely played bad baseball for they sure. They definitely played bad bad baseball, bad to baseball. Um, so I have some thoughts on this, but I kind of wanted to get 
your opinion on those statements and that kind of uh, thought. Uh, my thinking on this is he's a free agent. Mm. And he doesn't want to look like a bad teammate or like a whistleblower to any other team, uh, any kind of a clubhouse cancer or uh, a boat rocker, if you will. Um, he doesn't want to be seen as that kind of guy in any shape or form. So my guess is is that he's saying all this stuff because he wants to be a team player. That's my guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that would be the smart thing for him to do. Good for him. Be smart. I I think you're I think you're onto something. I think you're onto Your something. Thoughts. And I'll even I'll take that a step further because that is that was pretty much what my thought was, but I I, I had a little bit more of an in-depth thought on that and that being that you know, we watched uh we watched him have a, you know, he wasn't great, but he had a solid season before being dealt, you know, away from the White Sox. He it wasn't the Lucas Giolito that we had been hoping for. It wasn't the Lucas Giolito that we had been being sold for so many years, but still solid. ERA uh, south of four, you know, uh, I think he made like 21 or 22 starts for the Sox before getting getting shuttled out of here. And then... He goes to not one, but two teams in the second half of the season and absolutely obliterates his uh, his uh, free agent value. Certainly didn't help. <clears throat> no, uh, I, I don't know. I shouldn't say that I that he that he absolutely obliterated because I really don't know what it did to the market. I'm not sitting here at the at the GM uh meetings and uh you know the winter meetings are coming up here in the, the first week of December shortly. You know, we're only a few weeks away. So I'm not gonna be privy to what uh what's being said behind closed doors about Lucas Giolito there, but uh I would think that you know uh with his recent struggles and again another guy being a two pitch pitcher that can't seem to nail down the third pitch. Uh you know his first opportunities to pitch away from the White Sox and he just he stunk it up. I, he had to at least hurt his value some. You would think. So my next thought was was Lucas Giolito might want to be reacquainted with his favorite pitching coach, the pitching coach that he helped bring Maybe. to the White Sox organization. I, does he feel slighted by the White Sox? I don't know. I think maybe uh, you know there's a chance that since his market may have dipped some that the White Sox could be potential suitors for Lucas Giolito. Yeah. Um, And I kind of want to get your thought on that. I mean, there's of course that possibility. um, But, you know, as uh, Grimtall said that uh, earlier is that uh, he says, Lord, I hope the Sox move on from all these guys, meaning, Geo, TA, etc. Um, I'm kind of of the uh, of the same thing. Oh, I giggled uh, when they when that came up. By the way, because I yeah, no, yeah, for sure reunion. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> just kind. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. The same. I will the same move thing. on. FFS Grim. I'm just saying. I yeah. you know that interview kind of made me think maybe he's uh, pitching. And not well, throwing the ball. He's he's pitching himself. Well, see, here's the thing, right? Is that uh 
And I'm just going to throw this out here because I, I know that Grimtall in particular is going to absolutely love this. Um, he did kind of torpedo his, val- his value a little bit. And a team that uh, fancies themselves as uh, value restorers uh, and will be looking for a lot of pitching are the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that's his home team. And uh, I could I could very I could very well see the Dodgers making a play on Lucas Giolito, especially now that he's tanked his value a little bit, and they feel that they could that they could fix that. So we'll see what he has to say about that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just, just wanted to throw something out there, a little little uh, food for thought, if you will. Yeah, I think that there's going to be you know obviously some teams that are going to be into looking in on Giolito, but I don't think I mean. I mean, yeah, of course you could see the White Sox look into it. I just, I don't know. I kind of don't think so. I think at this point in in time, they're going to be looking at a couple of guys that are going to help them bridge to next year until there's a bunch more, you know, payroll relief and uh, freedom for, for gets to start moving some pieces around and making some plays on some bigger free agents. Also, you know, some bigger free agents being on the market because this year's free yeah. agent market, there's like, it's Drag. it's slim pickings. You know, you got like Blake Snell and like the next best guy is Giolito. You know, I mean, there's like, Drag. there's not well, like really anything huge out there uh, as far as, you know. I wouldn't mind seeing the White Sox take a swing at Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Okay. All right. You can. Yeah. It would he be would, nice to have a well, left-handed yeah. pitcher uh, in the rotation for sure, because you know we don't see that very often anymore. Uh, but you know, you got to think about it. I mean, we're talking about. Okay, so we've been talking about all the sound bites from Chris Getz, and we've been talking about the Josh Barfield interview, where everything's about defense and improving that way. Uh, Josh Barfield even saying things like, "You can almost improve by fifteen wins." you know, over the course of one off season, if you improve your defense, right? Yeah. Um, the thing is, is you can improve your defense, but if you have no starting pitching and no offense, can you really expect to win 15 more games? And my train of thought is, is we all know that the white Sox are not going to be any kind of Uber competitive team next year. Right. I mean, this is just, this is something that White Sox fans have been kind of bracing themselves for. We're going to look at another pretty bad year, we're thinking. You know, unless something Probably. big happens in this offseason and they shock us all, nobody's really expecting much, right? Nope. So I honestly don't expect a Jordan Montgomery. I would like to, you know, I'd like to see something like that happen. But I'm probably thinking they're not going to extend him you know, some kind of contract that's going to go, I'm going to the South side to lose. Right. Yep. So with this starting rotation, you know, you want to, you want to, but we're not in a rebuild, by the way, we're not in a rebuild. It's a not a rebuild. Yes. It's not a rebuild. We're listening on offers on everybody. Nobody is untouchable, but it's not a rebuild. It's not a rebuild. Not a rebuild. (laughs) Um, How can you be serious about saying that you're going to compete in 2024 when literally the only two pitchers left, starting pitchers left on your roster are Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. 
Davis Martin probably gonna I don't know. Fill I some mean, stuff. the thing is, is he still got he still has to rehab, right? And we've seen you know I mean you've seen what happens in rehab of Tommy John's surgery. The first year is always on an innings limit, and it always is a work in progress. You know, like the command usually is the second thing to come, and you know, you know, it, it, is Garrett Crochet gonna make his way into a starting role? I mean, I feel like that ship has sailed. Is he ever going to be a starting pitcher? I mean, they say that it's a possibility this year, I think. But I have my personal doubts uh, just because seeing him be able to use more than two pitches has not really been a thing. And two-pitch pitchers generally are relegated to the bullpen unless they are really, really good with those two pitches, a la Giolito and his changeup and his fastball. You know, so that's just kind of my opinion on it. That. Yeah, there's got to there's got to be there's got to be something there other than just his fastball and his slider because you know, like we've seen that. I mean, if he's as good as Dylan Cease was with his slider fastball combo, okay, maybe. But when we saw Garrett Crochet be very, very, very effective. It was when he was throwing 101 miles an hour, and he is, not, he is not doing that anymore. <laughs> so, you know, if we don't see that. Tucson is your. Tuki Tuki. Tuki Tuki is your White yep. Sox home, opening, home opener starter. I mean. 2024. Could be. Yeah, it's not going to be Clevenger. He declined his option. So uh, uh, I just I like to. Uh, go somewhere else. Yeah, I'll inform everybody that the uh, the Glendale Desert Dogs were eliminated from the playoffs tonight. Uh, the pitcher of the week for last week uh, that was nominated with Brian Ramos, Casperius uh, with the Dodgers, uh, went out and gave up five runs in the first inning, uh, basically putting them in a hole. And the Desert Dogs lost 8-5 to five tonight, so they are no longer eligible for the playoffs. The good thing is, though, uh, they did add the next couple in, uh, what is it, the uh, 8th, Wednesday and Thursday. So tomorrow and on Thursday, they added streams for Glendale, so we do get a couple more Glendale Desert Dogs streams before the Arizona Fall League uh, starts its playoffs on Friday and on Saturday. And then it's over, and there's no more baseball until February. So, uh, except for unless you're watching the lie dumb like I like I do sometimes. Um, uh, otherwise, baseball is over come this uh, come this week. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a busy off season though. Hundred uh, percent. Whether or not the uh, White Sox are going to do anything that are going to make you jump out of skin. Uh, is a whole nother question, but yep. they are definitely going to give us a lot to talk about over the next couple of months here. Agreed. All right. Well, uh, I think that's probably it for the week. Um, you know, I was talking about not doing a stream this week at all because uh, sickness. And you know what? With that, with the coaching staffs getting uh, announced and with the TA and Hendricks thing, I was like, you know what? We got to get something out there, and I got to, I got to get stuff out of my out of my brain here before next week. I don't want it to sit in there for an entire week. So thanks for yeah, being I'm, I'm flexible. No, uh, you know, we're actually at a point 
in the season that I was able to do that. You know, we had some struggles with flexibility not that long ago with our schedule. So, yeah, no. Uh, I just want you to get yourself healthy. Let's hope. But uh, if you can keep the sexy voice and be healthy at the same time, it's yeah, it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I wish it, I wish I could do. I wish I could. No, do I both. mean, not not that your voice isn't good. Oh, that's fine. But it's not. Yeah, I mean, earlier today, you're just not going to get. You're not going to give me the chub that you gave me. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, Grimtall says that, uh, like Chris Getz says, uh, like he said today, is that uh, all the guys are going into the off season to get uh, more. You know, get stronger and in better shape. Uh, Grimtall oh, says, better, "Best shape for lives." Grimtall says, January, "I'm going to show up in the best shape of my life. <laughs> going to put on 20 pounds of muscle this off season. So uh, it's going to be a, a good off season here. We got a couple of months to uh, to do that. And uh, thank you guys for coming and hanging out and watching the chat, uh, watching the show, hopping in the chat, listening. Uh, if you are watching us. Uh, we appreciate you. If you're not watching us, you should. We're on YouTube and Twitch. And tonight I threw us up on the uh, F- uh, White Sox Daily Facebook group as well. Uh, so you can watch us there also. Um, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, whitesoxdaily.substat.com. You can get uh, written uh, content. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts my name is ian eskridge at i eskridge on the twitter machine uh my co-host the danny miller uh at danny miller wsd uh we appreciate you guys thanks for coming and hanging out and we will talk to you guys next week hopefully there's some interesting things to talk about and uh you guys have a great week we'll talk soon thanks night 